Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. I want to share with you today from uh, the Gospel of Matthew. Um, Again, let me say, as I've told you before, I think as a preacher, you're always faced with this dilemma, you know, you want to tell somebody something new, but there's really, they've heard it all before, you know, they've heard it all before. So a preacher's job really is not to tell you something you haven't heard, but to remind you of what you already know and to ask you why you're not doing it. (laughs) That's, That's the preacher's job, isn't it? I mean... I know you know. The point is, if you know, why aren't you doing it? That's, that's, that's the question the preacher has to raise in the minds and hearts of people. So in, 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 when you look at the Gospel of Matthew, and you look at chapter, we're going to go to chapter 20, okay? And cha- uh, we're going to look at verse 29 to 34, which most of you might be able to quote for me. <laughs> I don't think so. And... Um, <clears throat> There's a story uh, that you all know, and you've heard it preached about, uh, you know, a zillion times. Uh, And it's about Jesus as he's leaving the city of Jericho. And there's these two guys sitting on the side of the road, and they're blind, right? And they're calling out to Jesus, asking for him to help them. You know, they they cry out, have mercy upon us, O Lord, son of David. Now, We've been through this so many times in our mind that I think sometimes it's good for us to stop and try and see if we can push some of those preconceived ideas on the side. Because as soon as you look and you say, I know about that, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, hang on. I know you know what you know, but you don't know what you don't know. And when you say you know, you only look at what you know, and then you don't get to know what you don't know. So you continue to don't know what you don't know, and only know what you know. Is this getting too Buddhist for you? So the puzzle is to have a look at something and be able to sort of push things off on the side a little bit, you see. Because there, are, there, there is, the Bible is, is, well, it's a strange thing, isn't it, this thing, the Bible? Because it's not like any other book. The, the Bible tells you that it's alive and that it is the word of God and it's breathed by God and it contains the breath of God. The same breath that was at work in creation is in the Bible. And the Bible is not like any other book where we read the story and say, I know the story because there are layers and depth of meaning. And there are times when you can come back to something you've read a million times before, but it's completely new that day and speaks to you in a way it hasn't spoken before. So when we see the story of these guys, the first thing I notice when I'm reading this passage of scripture is that, of course, they're blind. Obvious, isn't it? They, they, they're blind. But think with me for a second. Here's these two guys. They've been blind. We don't know really how old they are or how long they've been in this condition. But obviously they've been begging for a living because they couldn't see and they couldn't work and they couldn't, you know, sustain themselves through their own labors. That They were were blind. So they were totally dependent on other people. And and out of their blindness, they, they found no solution to it. They were just in this state of blindness, a state of darkness, And when you think about that darkness, I mean, the Bible is giving you a story about two men who are blind and living in a perpetual condition of darkness. 
But if you see that and you see that Jesus talks about himself as the light of the world, and now you're going to see how light can enter into their darkness and how his light brings light to them in their darkness. So you start seeing a bigger picture here. You start seeing the men as not just two individual blind men, but you start seeing this as a, the reason it's in the gospel is not because we're thinking about those two, but we're thinking about us. And we're thinking about what God did for them, and in the same time, what God can do for all of us. If you connect this idea of blindness back to the very beginning of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God. Now, don't read too quickly, all right? In the beginning, God. He wasn't at the beginning. See, if he was in the beginning. He's not at it, he's in it. There would be no beginning without him. He is the cause of the beginning. So he's not observing it. He, he's not sort of standing there watching the thing happen. He is the cause. He is the alpha. The, the beginning and the end. He is the beginning. He's the initiator of all of this. Uh, and so he initiates this process of, of creation. But it says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness. Do you get the idea? No, darkness covered everything. But in the middle of all of that darkness, I want you to notice it says that that though the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Here's an interesting thing, isn't it? The Spirit of God did not bring light in that dark place. I find that interesting. I find it interesting that, that, that you can be in a dark place and the Holy Spirit's there with you, but you're still in a dark place. Haven't you found that in your experience? I felt like, yeah, I'm in a dark place here. I mean, I'm, I'm, maybe your darkness is a darkness of pain. Maybe it's a darkness of unhappiness. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's confusion. Maybe, maybe it's pain and suffering. Maybe it's relationship issues. There's a million things that can cause us to have a sense of darkness. And in that darkness, we don't know where we're going, and we don't understand what's going on around about us, and it doesn't seem to be any hope. And yet the strange thing about it is God can be in the middle of all of that, and yet you still have your darkness. Isn't that amazing? Because I find with God sometimes that he, he, when he turns up, he doesn't always change it all. Isn't that strange? Isn't it strange that sometimes, see, there's a purpose for us to be in the dark. There's a reason why we experience darkness. And what I think we all want to happen is to get out of there quickly. Get me out of here right now. If you really love me, you wouldn't let this happen to me. You'd get me out of here. See, but, but there's a reason to be in darkness. Now, now, the Bible is clear. It says the Spirit of God was moving upon the, the surface of the water. That idea is not that something is not happening, but something, a lot of things are happening. Yeah? That God isn't just standing in passively in that dark place, and the Holy Spirit isn't just sitting in that dark place and doing nothing. The word literally means like a chicken that sits on an egg. Right? So if you've got a chicken sitting on an egg, a chicken is, is it doing nothing? 
is doing something, right? It's taking that egg and transforming it into something else, into its next thing. While you are in your darkness, you have to remember that that's not the end condition. That there's something going to be hatched out of your experience of darkness if you allow God to do it. But in order to do that, the Holy Spirit has to work on you in the dark. And when you ask to get out of here, what you're asking God to do is to stop the process. Yeah? And no wonder he doesn't listen to you. Because he says that he hath begun a good work in you. And he will complete it. And in order to complete the good work, you can't get what you want. Which is an immediate solution to your pain and suffering and discomfort and hurt, etc. Whereas God says, look, this is a temporary condition for you. But it is a necessary condition for you in order for me to, if you like, hatch out of you that potential that you have that's not being realized that can only come to reality through the experiences that you're having that you call darkness. And you can't see. But in the darkest place, there is an invisible influence at work in your life. We have to have faith in that. We do. We have to have faith in it. We have to start saying, I don't understand. I can't see. I don't see answers. I don't see an end to this. I don't see a solution to this. I don't understand why you'd allow this to happen in my life. I don't know anything, but I believe that in my darkest time, I'm not alone, that God has a divine purpose, and that there's an unseen influence working in my life to bring me to something better. Amen? That's what we need, isn't it? So you have these two guys sitting on the side of the road, and they, they sort of, you know, they're in the dark. But we know that God does amazing things in dark places, right? Now, I know we're all afraid of the dark. You don't like the dark. The reason you don't like the dark is because you can't see what's happening, right? And you feel nervous in the dark. Some people are very afraid of the dark. Some people will, will put a light on and sleep with a light on. You know, your kids get scared of the dark. It's a natural thing to be afraid of darkness. But darkness, uh, one of the things you're afraid of in the darkness is because you know stuff's happening, but you just don't know what's happening. Yeah. Have you ever been out at night <laughs> in the sticks somewhere and you hear all those noises? Hmm? <laughs> It's a demon. It's a demon. No, it's a possum. It's a possum. It's all right. I do a good possum, don't I? Because I've heard it many times. And, and, and the hair goes up on the back of your neck because you heard some rustling in the bushes, you know. And, and you're scared. And the reason you're afraid is if that same noise happened during the, the light, you, you wouldn't be afraid of it, would you? Because you could see it and you could put it into a picture and un, you would have understanding. But because you lack understanding, it, it, it makes you fearful. And when you and I are in dark situations, we get fearful. We worry about it. We're anxious about it because I don't know what's going to happen next. And, and, what's going to, and we think all the negative stuff. And, but, but what we have to understand is, though you can't see, it doesn't mean nothing's happening. Though you don't understand, and God is real. The thing, if I get to heaven, I, I will say to God, 
It would have made it a lot easier if you were willing to explain a few things now and again. Yeah. But whenever I say that to him, I get one answer. Read the book. Read the book. It's got all your frequently asked questions are answered there. Yeah? Read the book. And when I do read the book, I do find the answers as to what's going on. So, you, so, so I, I connect in, in my mind these two things together, and I see these two men on the side of the road. And they can't see, but they can hear. And they didn't see Jesus, but they heard about Jesus. And they were going to respond according to what they were hearing, not on what they were seeing. Here's an important thing in our spiritual life. You must learn, if you're going to progress spiritually with God, really to pay more attention to what you hear than what you see. For the things that you see are temporal. Yeah? They are not permanent. But, but the things that you hear from the Word of God, that's the true reality. Not what is seen, but what you can hear from the Word of God. And these men came to a, a decision. Their decision was they, they received something and they heard something in the darkness. The first step is hearing in the darkness. That's exactly what happened at creation. The dark is there. Spirit of God has a purpose. Spirit of God is working on these men. Right time, right place. Everything's going right. And then a voice comes. Let there be light. Yeah. But, but first, the darkness and the working of the Holy Spirit. Then comes the voice. Now those men, those men, they had to listen to the word. Hmm? They had to say, I'm going to receive the word, accept that word. I'm going to believe in that word despite the fact that I'm in the dark. And I'm not going to let the feelings of darkness get between me and the word that has come to me. We do, you know, we, we get angry. Um, what are you doing this for me? And after all I've done for you and all the tithing and all the going to church and you put me in this position and why don't you listen to me? And why do they do that? And why doesn't the pastor do this? And we're so taken up with the darkness, we, we ignore the word that comes to us. You have to put the darkness and it things on the side and you have to focus on the word. First they heard a word. And that word was that Jesus was there. Hmm? They heard, it says in verse 30, that Jesus was passing by. So they had to first put aside the th feelings and thoughts of darkness and experience and grab the word. Whoa, we heard it. We heard it. We're going to respond to what we heard. When they respond to what they heard, they heard more. Yeah? But if you don't respond to what you hear now, you don't get any more. The hearing unfolds. You hear something now, you respond to it, you hear more. You respond to it, you hear more. And eventually, it will lead you out of the darkness. But if you are not responsive to what you're hearing now, don't expect to hear any more. 
And that's what we do. No, 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 it doesn't lead you to anything else. It's a dead end. Hmm? We have to hear. The point is, in your darkness, are you listening? What are you listening to? Are you listening to all the people that are going to give you all the negative junk? Are you listening to all the other voices? Or are you listening to the voice that leads you to Jesus? We could keep going, couldn't we? So, so behold, the two men sitting by the road. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out. So there's a response to the hearing. And we need to engage in that response. We need to take up that response of faith and say, right, I'm hearing, I'm speaking. I'm hearing and I'm going to speak according to what I hear. And I'm asking now for you to have mercy upon me. So they begin to respond. Then they hear another word. And that word is interesting because it's found in verse 32. What do you want me to do for you? That's what we all want to hear, right? Yeah? That's it. The Holy Grail. What you pray for is that response from God, which you have not ever had. Right? What do you want me to do for you? Now, now when he says that, I want you to see the dilemma the men in the darkness have. They could say... Um, well, you know, we've had to beg for the rest of our life. You know, if you give us the name of the Melbourne Cup winner, that would solve that problem. We wouldn't have to beg for the rest of our life. You could give us a new home. You could fix this problem with my family. You could do all sorts of stuff. But what they did do, actually, is they said, we want you to fix the core issue. And that core issue they identified as within themselves, not out there. See, if God came to you and says, what do you want me to do for you? You might say, fix my wife, or fix my husband, or fix my boss, or give me a better job, or, or, or give me more money in the bank, or pay my credit card. All of that is outside of you, and that's not where the problem lies. We like to think so. We like to think that all of our problems lie out there, but the true, <laughs> the true source of your problem is you. That's what we don't want to hear. But these guys were smart. They lived in that darkness a long time. And they knew there was an infinite number of things they could have asked for. But actually what they did ask for was, God, um, fix us. Fix me. If you fix me, then all the other things can be fixed. But if you don't fix me, no matter what you fix... I'm still going to have this amazing problem on my hands. Me. Yeah. They didn't look to blame anybody. I wouldn't be like this if it wasn't for, uh, and if it wasn't for them, and if it wasn't for her, and they weren't. They just, look, just fix. Will you fix me? The blindness is mine, and I'm asking you to take it away. Fix me. In your relationships with other people, have you ever identified your blindness? I know you think you can see, but you can't. 
See, most of the problems we have with other people, there's a lot of reasons for having them, and I don't want to oversimplify, but there's an element in all of our problems with other people is the fact that we can only see what we can see, but we can't see what we can't see, and there's a blindness to us about others. We tend to say they're all bad, and they're not, or evil, and they're not, or selfish, and they're not. Or unkind and, the, and unloving. And we have all these things. But we, we are blind to the other things. And the more blind you are in your relationship to other people, the more problems you're going to get, isn't it? And, and in your marriage, the sad thing is you can become blind to what you once saw. And you saw it and you loved it. And now you're blind to it and you can't see it anymore. And when you get to that stage, the problem that exacerbates everything, the thing that exacerbates the problem is the blindness. We are subject to becoming blind without realizing it. So these guys says the problem's in me. And I think it takes a lot of courage to come to God and when he says, what do you want me to do for you? And you say, um, fix me. Don't worry about the credit card. I got that because I got a problem. Don't worry about fixing my boss. Um, fix me. Fix me. I can work on that. Fix me, and I can work on my marriage. Fix me, and I can fix me. Fix me. Do something in me. It sounds selfish, but it isn't. It's actually responsible. Yeah. It's responsible. And you know how difficult it is to deal with people who who will not act responsibly and take some sort of responsibility for what's happening in the situation. So they said, what do you want? And they said, heal me. Heal me. So they wanted personal change and life change. and They wanted changes of all sorts of stuff, but it was all focused in themselves. Now, to me, the strange thing about this thing is the solution. I can understand the guys. I identify with them. Uh, I can see uh, them as a metaphor for me in my life and many times. And I, I understand all of that. But the frustrating part about this is when you come to the solution. Because the solution really is disappointing. <laughs> the solution. It, can you imagine the disciples all around and they oh, right two blind men let's see what's going to happen because jesus had done some amazing things with blind people you know he, he once spat on the ground made mud and plastered it all over a blind man's eyes that was pretty spectacular and he said go and wash in the pool siloam wow the pool siloam is much lower than ground level and has a staircase that winds down to it without a handrail on the side. And he sent a blind man all the way from one side of Jerusalem to the other to walk down a set of stairs that could have killed him. True. Go there to Jerusalem and have a look. Still there today. There were closer pools, but he didn't do it. He sent him on a journey of faith. Can you imagine him walking along the road and somebody says, where are you going? I'm going to the pool Siloam. Why? I'm going to wash my face. <laughs> yeah, it does look a bit dirty. I was going to talk to you about that. Why are you going all the way over here? I'll give you some water. I don't know. Jesus guy told me to go and wash in the pool Siloam. So I go, oh, come on, that's stupid. But it was spectacular, wasn't it? 
Now, when you come to these guys, I can imagine the disciples getting excited and saying, Ooh, what's he going to do now? What's he going to do now? And you know what he did? Literally, the Bible says, and he touched them. Jesus had compassion on them, and he touched their eyes. Oh, is that all? And, and the word touch is, is an interesting word because it means, it's sort of like this. It's sort of like, it's not... Or like, it's coming, it's coming, boom. It's not, it's not like that at all. It actually is, it's the lightest feather little touch. That's all he did, he went, he went, that's it. It is almost not a touch. It's a touch that's like so, so, did he touch me or not? Or was that a butterfly? I'm not sure what it was. What was that? It was, that's the idea. That's the idea. And it's purposeful. He, he, he never does anything by accident. And one guy, he makes mad, slaps it all over the face. The guy knew he'd been touched, I'm telling you now. On this one, they're like, was that a touch or wasn't it a touch? I'm not sure. The disciples are saying, oh, you missed your chance here. We had a crowd. We could have made an impact, man. Could have taken a great offering if you had only really sort of done your thing properly, you know. And that's just a little light touch. Because you want to make a point. I think he did. The point was, we don't need all that fancy stuff. You know, have you come to church sitting there waiting for the waters to be stirred, waiting for the evangelist to come, you know, waiting for the moment, waiting for the feeling, waiting for the thing? You don't need any of that. Huh? Don't confuse that with God. Don't confuse your emotions with God. God can be there. You don't feel anything. God can be there. You feel a lot. But the feeling and God are not synonymous with each other all the time. What happened here is Jesus wanted to show them and you and me that the most important thing here is not what you feel, but that you are touched. That's the most important thing. See, it doesn't matter how you leave this place emotionally, but have you been touched? That's the question, isn't it? In the worship, one may be crying and another may be excited, and, but it doesn't matter what emotions they're experiencing. Has God touched you? That's what we need to think, because... All these men needed, when it came down to the end, and what they wanted was personal change that would result in situational change in their life. Jesus said, well, let's translate all of that into the real solution for you is a touch. you got to say, you're joking. No, that's it. I want to tell you now, the solution for everything in your life is a touch of God. Isn't that right? The thing we all need is a touch of God. Now, we can think of a thousand other things we think we need, and we probably do need them, but the, the core basic need is a touch from God. When God touches you, things change. So, first of all, of course, when he touched them, their vision changed. They could see what they couldn't see before. And when God touches you and me, you're going to see things the way you never saw them before. Your eyes are going to be opened. 
though your eyes are open now, um, there are none so blind as those who cannot see. And you have eyes and you see not. But when he touches you, you see what you never saw before. You see a new perspective of things. You have a better understanding of things. You have a new sense of vision about things. That comes from a touch of God. You can't create that yourself. It needs God's touch. Their future changed. They had a different direction in their life now. You see, before, there was only begging and subsistence living. But now, with a touch from God, they go to a new future. They now can begin to plan and think about things they never thought were possible before because now they could see like they couldn't see before. So they had a different future for themselves. When they were touched by God, their, their affections were changed. Because they saw Jesus and they wanted to follow him now. They began to love him and appreciate him there before now. Then we don't see a God connection in their life, but now we see a strong God connection. They've been touched. When they were touched, obviously, you can see that in a sense, their life took a completely different direction. It, it turned onto another heading. They thought it was going to be like that, but now it's like this. A touch of God changes everything. I don't know what the touch of God would change in your life today. In a sense, that's the mystery of the touch of God, in that it is unpredictable in what it will produce. But it is what we need. Uh, And we should never come to God and say, touch me so that. Touch me in order to. We just say, fix me. And he'll touch you and fix you. And you may be surprised what he fixed. He may fix what you thought wasn't broken. Isn't that right? He may do that. Maybe like the tradesman that I had come into my house. Fix something I didn't think was broken. He says, it's broke. I said, it's not broke. It's all right. It's broke. Is it broke? Yeah, look. Oh, yeah, it's broke. And God can do that. There needs to be a sense in our life with God where we sort of put aside all of our stuff that we're asking and stuff that we're wanting and the solutions we think are solutions and the cures that we think are cures and the answers that we think are answers. And we just basically come in and say, look, you know, really, I need your touch. I need you to fix it. Whatever it is that needs fixing, just fix it. That's what we need. That sense of, I am dependent upon you, Lord, in order for myself to be healed, in order for myself to be changed. I need that touch. And the wonderful thing about it is if we're not looking for all the big... If we're sensitive, we can receive that touch, see? We say, oh, nothing happened. I prayed and nothing happened. The sky didn't turn brilliant purple. The lights didn't flash. I heard no thunder, no angel voices. I, I didn't hear the flapping of angel wings. No dust fell upon me that was gold. I didn't feel anything. The ground didn't shake. I didn't fall down. I didn't cry. Was I touched? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You might walk away and think, I'm not sure if I was touched or not. Oh, you were touched. You were touched. 
but maybe not the way you want to be touched. Because he has a gentle touch that changes everything. I've seen some people who told me they were touched, and I want to tell you, I thought they were touched. And, you know, it was massive manifestation, but I couldn't see anything that changed after that. Hmm? I'm not seeking the manifestation. I want the touch. Amen. I want to really make that connection with God, that personal connection at an individual level, deep in me, says God, touch me. And there is a point, I'm sure, when Jesus touched those men, they had to say, yeah, I accept that touch. Thank you. And there's got to come a point in our life where, where whether we're in the worship or whether it's at the end of the preaching or in the middle of the preaching, wherever it is, where we have to say, that's a touch, thank you. Thank you, that's a touch. Yeah, I'm not crying, I'm not screaming, I'm not shivering, I didn't fall down, but that's a touch. I'll receive that touch. Amen. Because God is here to touch you. Even in your darkness, you see, speaking to you now, ready to touch you. And that touch brings light and release and blessing. But we need that touch. All of us need that touch. See, if your vision has grown dim, you need to touch. Hmm? If you cannot see what tomorrow has for you, if you've lost that sense of potential and future and the blessing that God wants to give to you, you need to touch. If you've lost your direction and you're not sure where you're going now and you don't have a sense of being on a pathway towards something that God has for you, well, you need a touch. If you find that your affection for God is diminishing and your connection with God is fading or gone, you need a touch. There are many times in our life where, where it just gradually wears away, doesn't it? And it gradually erodes and then it's gone. But we don't know when it went because it was so gradual so minute in the changes that happened till one day we realize it's gone and when you know that you need to come back and say touch me again touch me again and he's always there to touch us amen so he had compassion he's always there to touch us and I'd like for you to decide right now. I really would like for you to make that personal decision right now. Touch me, God. Touch me. Only you can make that decision. Touch me. I, I need that touch. Amen. I want that new impartation. I want that freshness of a new touch from God. I want to feel the light presence of God upon my life again I want to know that this is the beginning of a change this is the first step in a new direction this is the dawn of new light into my life this is the beginning of something fresh and new and it can happen now with a light touch amen 
trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.